Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Better Events Podcast. We are so excited to be with you today. This is Mary Davidson, one of your co-hosts, and in today's episode, we are with our wonderful guest, Allison Peter, and we are discussing embracing your value and worth as an event professional. So here we go. Welcome to the Better Events Podcast. Join two event strategists, Logan Clements and Mary Davidson, who believe we can all create, host, and attend better events. In this podcast, you will learn about event strategy and actions that you can use today as an event host, planner, or manager. Hear directly from the people who are creating innovative and inspiring events today and tomorrow, and grow your business along the way. Now, let's get started, and thanks for listening to the Better Events Podcast. Well, welcome back, guys, to another episode of the Better Events Podcast. I'm your one of your co-hosts, Logan Clements, and I'm joined by my colleague, Mary Davidson, and we are very excited. Our theme of always being excited about our guests continues because today we have a very special, special guest with us. Mary, do you care to introduce who she is? Yes, absolutely. Well, thanks for joining us again, everyone. This week, we have Allison Peter, and she is the founder and president of Cassie's Productions. And I'm going to read a little bit of her bio, and I think it really gives a great background um, of Allison and her experience. So we're going to dive right into that. So Peter has been producing in-person, hybrid, and virtual events for more than two decades and has worked with organizations and brands, including Equinox, Freeform, Hulu, BYU TV, Rebel Girls, The Wrap, Radio Hall of Fame, Kasem Cares, UC San Francisco, and California Department of Education. Prior to launching her business, Peter was executive director of marketing and events for Premier Networks, which is a subsidiary of iHeartMedia. Peter also joined the company in 2004 as director of event planning, leading all event marketing and branding efforts for Premier, as well as producing national meetings and events across multiple companies within the organization. During her tenure, in addition to producing hundreds of events all across the country, Peter helped the company successfully launch a new division via a series of nationwide activations. So without further ado, we'd love to welcome our wonderful guest, Allison. Hello. Hi. Thanks so much for joining us. Is there anything that you'd like to add in about your intro? I think that pretty well sums it up. Uh, Basically, I've been doing events for most of my life, including a lot of my childhood. Uh, if you have a parent that uh, does events as you grow up, you will find it's a fantastic internship program. Uh, although the pay is nothing, but the experience is immeasurable. I highly recommend it. Uh, I've really seen so many different types of events across my you know, more than 20 years in this business. Started producing virtual events more than 20 years ago before they were in fashion. Uh, for those of you who don't know, you used to have to dial up from your phone line to get onto the internet with your computer. And that's actually when we started producing them. So thankfully, the technology has uh, ca- has caught up with the ideas uh, behind all of the great programming. I've been on the corporate side uh, now as a business owner. You know, I'm on the third party independent uh, planner side. So I've really seen a lot through the years and I just love our industry. And I thank you so much for having me on today. Yeah, Allison, we're very excited to have you. A little bit of context for why we asked Allison here for our listeners. Um, Allison and I, we've worked together for the same kind of experiential creative agency before. Uh, Not on the same project, but we're kind of adjacent. And she's also very good friends with one of our friends of the pod, Jacqueline Sobel, who was one of our guests from season one. She's in episode three about COVID compliance at your event, which just going to shamelessly plug it because it was a very relevant episode at the time and still is very relevant today about talking about COVID compliance as we start doing more in-person things. 
Um, so we were just really excited because I think Allison really embodies a lot of what we love on the podcast. It's your your energy, Allison, to collaborate and how open you are to sharing knowledge and helping other event pros grow. You have been on the end of some of my own phone calls asking for advice or tips or things. Um, and that's just a theme we have here on the podcast is that power of community. So I am so excited to talk to you today. <laughs> well, thank you. You know, I think community is the one of the huge pluses of what we do. I mean, it's not what necessarily our topic, we'll get into that in a moment, right? But we all, I love supporting other event producers. I loved our conversations, right? And that you knew that when there was a question, you could just pick up the phone and call, or as we're all working to bid projects, execute projects, that we have this great network of people that you can say, oh, who do you have for this that you love? Or, you know, how did you do this? And it, it really is such a different industry, I think, than so many. And it's one of the reasons I love it, because I have so many great relationships that have come out of that. So just adding that in, even though it's not what we're here to talk about. <laughs> no, but I, but I think it ties into talk. it because I, I will mm -hmm. say, you know, we're using talking about embracing your value and your worth as an event pro for this episode. And I, I mean, just sitting here thinking about it, you got me thinking about like the community that we have and all of the people I know who have embraced that power of community are all benefiting. Like there is no one I know that has been, you know, dramatically burned <laughs> by embracing the the ability of leaning on those around there around you if anything i i think the biggest problem we all have is we're like too busy which is a great problem to have and just that's a shout out to our listeners that we're always looking for more good people to help us do things uh, but yeah i think that's something that's super powerful i agree you know i think there's i'm sure we've all run into different kinds of people but in this industry there's either people like us who are very collaborative which we love and then there's people who aren't and those i don't know but y'all i personally tend to stay away from folks like that i believe there's enough look look at what a great robust industry we have and thankfully you know it's coming back better and stronger every day some some days inch by inch but it is coming back and so you know the idea that we can all build something more together um it's so true right and there's really enough business and events for everybody your success does not mean i have less success and if I can help your success be greater, then maybe together we can continue down that road, you know, and create something even more awesome and fantastic. So um, I'm 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 one of the collaborative types and I know most people in this industry are. Uh, but I think it's really it, it really talks about how we succeed because you no no one person can produce an event on their own. It doesn't matter the size. Right. It doesn't matter the scope. You need all kinds of different people. And you have to be willing to ask questions, but also you need to be able to stand, you know, your ground and know what you bring to the table and know your worth and know your value. Um, and sometimes with clients that can be an interesting conversation and sometimes with partners that can be an interesting conversation. Um, but I think it's key to being successful in this industry. We have to, um, as we talked about, embrace your value and embrace your worth and not be afraid to stand in that spot and, and you know, proclaim it and take it, which I know I was very bad at doing in the beginning um, when I first, especially when I first became a business owner, you know, it took me a while to really understand that people will treat me as I allow, right? And especially when someone is hiring you, obviously when it comes to the power dynamic of you and a client, your client is always in charge, right? And the end goal should always be what's best for the success of the event. Um, which is the filter through which I look through, you know, all the decisions that I make for clients. But you still have to know that you bring something awesome and amazing to the table. And if your client could produce the event without you, we all know they would. 
because <laughs> they would save money. Um, but if they're reaching out, then they have they have a need and you have a solution to that need. So hopefully and ideally it could be a great fit. I love that. And I love how all this is just tying in so well together, um, which then I guess leads us to one of the questions we had, which is, you know, when you are working with clients, because the end goal, like you said, is the success of the event. But how do you navigate the power dynamic between you and the client, especially in our industry and, and especially for for times when maybe you're not totally in agreement with the end goal? I mean, obviously, they both want the event to be a success, but sometimes it doesn't always feel that way. So what are your thoughts on that? At the very beginning of every project, I ask clients several questions. I ask, what's the goal of the event? Um, because some of the output is different if you're looking to raise money versus if you're looking to create a marketing event, right? Versus if you're a corporate uh, annual executive you know, retreat, et cetera. So I always ask what the goal of the event is. I always ask how events fit within their company's organization structure. Is it a revenue source? Is it, again, like coming out of the marketing budget? Because that will help uh, drive some of the decisions that happen down the line. And the last one is I ask how events fit within their industry. So those are always the three questions I ask up front before things get confusing. And I put them somewhere that we can all view them at any time. And I say to them, I ask these questions because then when we're looking at making some challenging decisions, we can refer back to these as a guidepost or three guideposts as to how we make the best decision, right? To serve the organization and to serve the event based on your needs. So I have found over the years before I asked those questions, sometimes it would get a little more complicated, but it, it really, I don't wanna say it helps doesn't help to simplify it, but it helps to clarify it, right? So if there is a problem or there's a challenge in you and your clients see differently, we can refer back to those and say, okay, does this still apply or have the goals changed? In which case, let, you know, let your partners know. But I find that asking some key questions like that at the front certainly clarifies some of those more difficult conversations down the road. Um, and in answer your power dynamic question, look, the client's always charged. They're the ones paying the bills, however, However, they also rely on us for our expertise, right? They are not event producers. They, they don't know the details of what's involved. They only know what they want to see. So I try to remind myself when there is a difficult conversation or ask myself, is it something that's going to materially affect the outcome of the event? Or is it something that is just about my pride, my ego, my, you know, humility? And I try always to keep everything focused on the event. Uh, and I think it comes in handy when you're working with multiple partners. I have said so many times I've lost track to when I have uh, vendors that perhaps, you know, have maybe are trying to take charge. I say, look, we both have the same end client and we all have the same end goal. So how do we get there for our client? Because it's really not about us. I mean, it is, but it, but it's really not. <laughs> yeah, I think that's. A good way. I like I like what you said there of having it somewhere that is visible to you and the client. I think yeah. I know that's something I personally do myself, but I don't think I honestly put it somewhere that is like openly referable. But then it does give you a good thing to be like, see, things have changed versus saying, according to my notes, you know, I think things have, have shifted because, yeah, getting down and we have a whole episode about that. Mary, that was episode two. Did we talk about that? Or start with why. Yeah. I think that was 
episode one or two. Yeah. Might be like I don't know, after our intro, but yeah, we, yeah. yeah we mentioned it's that. one of our most popular, but yeah, talking with clients about <laughs> getting down to your why, because you can want to accomplish everything, but you really need to narrow things down and that, mm-hmm. especially when we're getting brought in as external folks, it helps focus that conversation. Um, but focusing a little bit on us, I feel like as a self self-employed event pro or a contractor or a freelancer, it's really hard not to link your like rate and income to your self-worth. <laughs> so I'd so love true. to hear your take on that. And like, have you been able to separate the two or what have been some tactics that have helped you kind of reconcile that? Cause I know that's something I've struggled with. I think as event professionals, we are all very caught up in tying our identity to what we do. Um, or most, most that I have met, obviously nothing is a blanket statement, but I think that we are all, uh, guilty of that from time to time. So for me, I try to remind myself when I do get, especially in sort of that last month or two of the event, when you're really in the middle of it, you know, I try to make sure that I take breaks and it's not 24 seven about the event that I see friends, family, make sure to exercise, make sure to eat well. We all love to reach for whether it's salty or sweet. I know chocolate's my my thing, um, but you know I try to make sure that I have the right energy to function uh, because it all ties together, right? If it's if it's all about the event and you can't function as a human, then inevitably all you think about you, like you said, your whole worth gets tied up in the event, right? And what we do as event producers is really one small part, hopefully, of who we are as individuals or siblings or spouses or partners and friends and right, um, you know, children, parents. So I I think because what we do is, is usually with such love, I think it can sometimes tend to fill the entire space, but I just try to remind myself that it is a piece. I'm in a great piece and I love what, you know, we do and I'm grateful to do it, but it's not all of who I am, but it's taken a long time to get there, to be honest. You know, it's, and, and it depends where you're at, right? When you're in a corporate environment and people are emailing you at 4.30 in the morning and you're feeling compelled to respond, right? it's taken a lot of conditioning and reminding to get myself to that point. That's actually a really good lead into another question that we had. And I am super curious to hear your answer about this. You just kind of hinted at it, but because our interest industry is so all about saying yes, like you were saying, and maybe not having the best boundaries, what are some examples of boundaries that you have learned to set in your work life? I guess above and beyond not actually answering that email at 4 a.m. Um, and it took me many years to learn to not answer that email at 4 a.m. Yeah. You know, when I yeah. by, when by seven I was mentally exhausted, I finally traced it back to the fact that at 4 a.m. I was checking my email and answering it. Um, maybe not the healthiest thing. You know, I think uh, you said it, Mary. The, the first and best thing we can do is to not answer it, right? But I think the second thing is to set, again, we go back to some of these conversations at the beginning, we set the boundaries up front. Um, You know, if we, and I was terrible at this in my beginnings of years as a business owner and especially corporate, and I'm much better at it now. If we're four months out from the event, provided everyone's limbs are attached and everyone's alive, there's no reason to talk to someone Sunday night at 10 o'clock, right? There There just isn't. If we're a week out, Okay, that's understandable. So I think having those conversations with clients, with partners, you know, and say, look, please understand, you know, especially now that we're working from home, we're all attached to these, you know, please understand we we try to strike a work-life balance. And, you know, as we get closer to the event, the days will get longer. But until then, 
you know, as a team, we keep a fairly regular nine to six, nine to five, you know, whatever it is. But the hardest part is then we as event people have to stick to that, right? Because who answers their emails at night if they have time, right? Or who, if they're waiting in line, check something on a weekend. So we almost, it's, I find it's harder to hold myself to it um, than the clients, because once you do set the precedent that you're available anytime, of course they'll take advantage of it because they know you're available anytime. Yeah, that is, I just, <laughs> go ahead, Logan. <laughs> I was going to say, it's again, sometimes easier said than done. I think yeah. one of the tools I know I've utilized that I love um, is Gmail does, I think it now it's baked into Gmail, but um, you can also use a tool called Boomerang, but Gmail lets you schedule emails. And I've yeah. started to do that now if I do have, like if I do work on a Saturday or Sunday, because I've been really cognizant whenever I'm utilizing other people, like I have a team, because I don't want to be the person, you know, telling them that I think they need to be on you know, all weekend. So I'll schedule them. So they'll all send at like 8am on Monday. So I'll write it. I get it out of my head. It's scheduled. I don't have to literally do anything, but it's not hitting somebody's inbox until like normal working hours. Or if I have a team, I've, cause I feel like I'm with you, Alice. I've been burned that way that I'm like, if I'm helping people again, I'm like, my expectations for tomorrow is not that you're constantly checking your email. I just want you to log on once and check is something happening, you know, midday. And then other than that, you know, your time is your own, or at least trying to figure out what those expectations are. Um, because I feel like a lot of it's just implied that we're just going to be on all the time. Cause like you said, we have our, you know, our computers in our hands essentially, but it's not healthy to kind of have that constant, um, that, that lack of structure, I would say is, is can kind of burn you a little bit. And it's a hard conversation to have with clients, right? Because, and especially as we continue to work remotely, which I think in a certain way will be around forever, right? More of us are home business based, but therefore we have clients in different time zones. So if we're three hours apart, um, I've had people call me at, you know, maybe 6 a.m. my time because they don't think about the fact that, oops, maybe they're not already with their cup of caffeine already working, right? So um, I think it, it becomes important for us to establish those guidelines up front. I love the Google um, uh, Gmail scheduling tool. I agree with you. It's awesome. I use it very frequently. And, and just to try to keep up our end of that bargain and just not let them, you know, not be available all the time. Obviously, if there's an emergency, it's one thing, right? But I once had a client who I think on week two called me Sunday night at nine o'clock. Um, and the event was four months away and we talked for <laughs> half an hour and I, I, and sure enough, it didn't get any better. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> Everything you're saying is like giving me anxiety, like in a good way, but it's because I'm like, I know I, I do this and I know I've experienced this and it's not okay. <laughs> so I'm just having like flashbacks right now, but this is, this is super helpful. You're totally right. Everyone listening and watching has had this more than once, right? And, yeah, and yeah. we are all, because we are all solution-oriented people, people pleasers, people, you know, uh, person type people, we all want to get to the yes and to get that solid and to move on to the next thing. But it's not worth it if it's eating us up inside, right? Or if we're all so mentally exhausted 24-7, we, we have to step away. We have to take some time and recharge. Um, and there certainly has not been enough of that lately. So hopefully that will be a priority for, you know, more folks in our industry as we, as we're in 2022 and beyond. Well, and it sounds like it's really important to have those conversations versus just assuming, you know, that people understand 
what you're expecting and what they're expecting. Um, do you have any, like, we've talked about kind of examples of boundaries you set, but do you have any other strategies that you'd suggest for someone who's maybe an event producer or event vendor who's in an event, you know, they're in the process already have started working with a client to have that conversation or to set those boundaries around their work? You know, I think it's um, a little of a gentle rip off the bandaid if, you know, usually fairly, fairly soon after that happens. So let's say a client calls you late at night, right? The next time you have a scheduled call or the next day, you know, perhaps say to the client, you know, please know that, you know, while we try to be available as much as possible, it's important that we step away for our own mental health. If there is really an emergency, you can contact me anytime, but you know, if we could otherwise um, keep our communications to normal business hours, it would be very much appreciated and be grateful. Some clients get it, you know, some don't, again, don't even realize it, right? Cause they're in a different time zone. They don't think about it. Um, but you, if you wanted to, if you don't say anything, it won't change. So mm -hmm. you'll, and sometimes I find the best way is just in the course of like a weekly check-in or a weekly check-in, you know, perhaps to not elevate it to the point where it's such a big thing, but maybe just make it a note on the agenda and say, Hey, by the way, I know you noticed you called last, you know, last Thursday. Um, and just try to like broach it super gently and hopefully they'll be understanding. And if not, then maybe you have to decide how long-term you want that client. Right. Cause the, the reality is clients aren't fits. Uh, clients aren't always fits for all time. Yeah. And it's a well, hard I think thing to admit something so simple as telling people what time zone you're in because you said we're so remote and different and all over the place you know and even if a company is based in Los Angeles doesn't mean the person you're talking to who works at that company is based in Los Angeles yeah. anymore that's all changed and that's something that I found helped me with a couple clients that were in different time zones just acknowledging the fact that I was in I'm in Seattle I'm on Pacific Coast time that helped some clients that we yeah, were trying to set like 6 a.m 7 a.m meetings which I'm like for some clients, I'm totally okay to do it, but like there is a limit to how many times I want to be on a video call at six in the morning my time. Yeah. And it was like, and they don't want yeah. you on a call at six in the morning their time. So, you know, it's it's kind of that. And for me, it took realization when I confessed to somebody that, yes, it was, I'm on Pacific Coast time. They're like, why'd you say yes? I was like, because we need to have this meeting and <laughs> if this is the only time that works, like I'll do it. But yeah, ideally if it's a little later. And again, that comes back to people pleasing because it's just you know, it's, it's, you, you want to make people happy, but I think at the same time, Allison, you make good points about that balance and, you know, your own worth kind of thing. You know, a little trick you just reminded me, sometimes I do in emails with new people is I put PT after like the first several times I email them and suggest times to get together, which is a subtle reminder that that's the time zone you're in because that, you know, sometimes I'll do the conversion for people, but then they don't realize that I'm in Pacific. So you say, okay, what about 11 o'clock Pacific on Tuesday? Um, and it just is a subtle reinforcement. Maybe they'll ask if they don't know, or, you know, we'll remind them if you've mentioned it. Um, but yes, you, right. Like you said, we've all said yes to the 6am call and go, oh my goodness, 6am <laughs> camera off. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but you know, but again, right. Most clients, unless it's like the day before, in which case there's nothing you can do, but we'll be happy to rearrange it. Um, if only they know. So we need to be better advocates for ourselves and really speak up for what we need um, and what we're, again, people will treat you as you, as the behavior you accept. Yeah, definitely. And um, you also hinted at this earlier, but have you ever had any experiences or heard about any experiences of someone, or I guess, you know, an event professional having to, I don't know if you call it fire a client, but you decide 
that this is not a good fit. So do you just kind of ride it out and then say, all right, I'm never working with them again? Or what does that look like? I think it depends on several factors. Um, first of all, I'll be honest, firing the client is the best feeling in the world because to <laughs> take the, and I don't advocate doing it often, but if you're really at that point, there, it is such an empowering space to stand in, to be able to acknowledge that your business will succeed without that person and to acknowledge that you don't need or want that person's behavior in your life and to act on it is amazing. So if someone's really considering firing a client, if you're thinking about it, you probably should. And I would say stand in your space and own it and you will not regret it. Um, but that being said, it, I think it, there's a couple of factors to decide. If it's a one-off event and you're close to the execution of the event, I am an advocate of suck it up, talk, you know, get out your angst over drinks with your friends, right, and move through it. Um, because I think the long-term health of your business and your reputation, right, we've all had clients that we don't love, but to handle it, to, to get out of it a month or two or even three beforehand, I think winds up doing your own business and reputation and brand more harm than it does good. Um, mm -hmm. Not to say that's going to be an easy time period, but I think that you know, sometimes you just have to get through it. Now, knowing that the question then becomes, right, then you know, okay, am I going to go back into that arena? And the answer is no, right? If you know it's a terrible experience for yourself, um, I think it was my Angela who said, believe, pe believe people when they show you who they are, right? Those people are not going to change in their behavior. So once you get through it, and if you can survive it, don't go back for more. That may be a case where it's better to find a new client. Now, if it's a client that you're doing a series of events for, like what I actually did is I did fire a client once and um, it was just very clearly a mismatch of goals and strategies and ways they spent money and priorities and everything else. And I looked at him one day and we had been touring around a city all day um, and he wasn't happy with anything because he, he hadn't really given me a lot of the information had changed and wasn't communicated to me. So what we were scoping really didn't fit his needs. And I looked at him and I said, you know, maybe the answer is I'm not the answer for you. And he just, he looked at me so surprised that he just couldn't believe anybody was saying that to them. But in that moment, I knew that I could never please him. Right. Mm -hmm. And I just wasn't the person to make him happy. And I wasn't going to die on that hill trying. There's no one person or client that's worth it. And when you come to the realization that it's just never going to be a match. There's no point in staying. So I said to him, I'll stay until you find somebody else. And it, like I said, it was a series of events, but I just knew that all I was going to do is bang my head against a wall and never make him happy. So it wasn't going to work out for either of us. Um, but it was great. It was, <laughs> I, I highly recommend it. If you're really at that point that you just know it's not going to be a fit, don't waste your time because the reality is we do have a wonderful, robust industry with clients that are great. And don't waste your times with the ones that really, if you've made the effort, you just know are never going to be happy with your services. That's really, I think, powerful hearing an example of, of letting someone letting someone go because I think I, I know that's helped me is where I've found that conflict with clients or vendors. It's often that our values don't align. Like one of my values is transparency. And if I'm working with a client or a vendor that we have, I'm not I'm like, why is it just not clicking? And I realized because they don't want to be transparent about certain things. And that just bothers me. And that's, you know, a me value that I think maybe not 
other planners might not have that. And so that, again, it's a better fit for somewhere else. But that's always easier said than done to realize that I feel like you have to experience it once or twice to have that ventilation if you're going to step away, that it's not worth it. But Absolutely. You are so right. It, it takes us a few knocks on the head to realize it hurts. Yeah. Well, I think we have, um, we still have time. So we want to do a couple sentence finishers with you, Allison. Sure. So um, first one is, if I had more hours in the day, I would blank. Cook more gourmet meals. I love to cook, oh. but I tend to do, you know, uh, I mean, it's tasty, but like functional, healthy cuisine. But I feel like I'm not the person that does the sauces and the toppings and the, and I would do that. I feel like if I had more time to really prep and focus on that. We should come it. to your That's, house. I know. <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> Spring. Yeah. There yeah, you go. definitely. Our next question for you is your favorite productivity tool is what? My calendar. Um, I have multiple email addresses, some from clients, you know, some personal, some business. And the calendar on my phone is the only place that I know what my availability is. Um, I also believe for especially virtual events, but I am a big, you know, sender of calendar invites for everybody so that it winds up on other people's calendars. So they show up uh, and I could never do what I do without having all of my calendars in one place. I, I wouldn't know where I'm headed. So true. true. You're speaking to my soul right now. Yes. <laughs> I agree. I feel like you're speaking totally. event language and we're like, we live yeah. high by our calendars. <laughs> well, we all, yeah. so many of us have multiple email addresses that like the calendar on your phone is literally the only place that it all syncs up. So if you Truly, want to avoid yeah. scheduling yourself to have to be in two places at once, I, I literally cannot live without it. <laughs> all right. Our last one for you is simple advice you can give to a small business owner. It's a great question. I would say stand in your space and be proud of who you are and what you represent for your business. You know, it took me many years to know my value, to know my worth, to know what I brought to the table and what I bring to the table for every client. And I am much better about communicating that to potential clients and to current clients than I was when I first started. Um, because you're afraid, you know, that everybody thinks there's so many event planners, vendors, rental, whatever aspect of the industry you're in, right? You're not the only person providing that service and everybody thinks, oh my goodness, there's so many people doing what I do. So you can't be afraid to talk about who you are and what makes you special and your values and your experience, right? Everything we've done in this business informs who we are and what our business represents and what we represent and the kinds of events that we wanna do and the kinds of clients that we wanna have. But if you don't tell anybody that, then nobody knows. I used to say I didn't want to own a business because I didn't want to sell. And finally, somebody said to me, you're not selling. You're providing a solution to a need. And that really clicked with me. And it took me years to be able to stand in my space and you know, say, this is what I do. This is why I charge what I charge. If you don't like it, please, there's 100 other people that can probably do it for you cheaper make sure it's a great partnership and a great fit. But I couldn't do that in the beginning because I just didn't have the experience. So once you do it over and over again, eventually you can just stand in your space and be who you are and know your value and know your worth. And it's fantastic. It's a struggle every day to stay there, um, but it's, it's a really good thing. 
I love it. Thank you so much. And thank you just for being here today. I've loved our conversation. Um, definitely housing has me reflecting on the importance of value and worth and embracing that. And um, just along with that, we like to kind of pass it over to you one last time. Is there anything else that you want to add before we wrap today? I just want to say I'm so excited to see what these coming years are going to look like as we continue to, you know, return, move forward on in-person hybrid and virtual experiences and what those mean. Um, and I'm excited for our industry to continue to come back together. Um, and if you want to follow me, you can always, I'm on Instagram, Cassie's Productions, uh, I have a website, Cassie'sProductions.com, which has links to Twitter and Insta and all that. So check it out. And um, thanks for having me. Thank you so much. so much, Allison. This has been amazing. Um, I, yeah, so many gems in there. Oh, so good. Um, but I think Mary, that brings us to time for our bonus tip and it's your turn this week. Woohoo. Awesome. Okay. Bonus tip time. So this bonus tip is about the metaverse, which I don't know if you've heard about it yet. It's, you know, becoming more prevalent, especially in the event industry. So this is just my invitation to you to go check it out and see what you think about it, if it's a value to you. But basically, the metaverse is an idea about, you know, it's the 3D world, basically, combining like VR and AI. And there is space for that in the event industry. I think it's for a really particular type of audience. So I'll be interested to see how that develops over time. And maybe we can hash it out more on a later podcast episode. But um, one resource I wanted to point your way, if you're interested in learning more, and we are not associated with this in any way, but through the event MB, they have come out with kind of a booklet about the metaverse where you can just learn and explore. So I'll make sure that we link that in the show notes in case you'd like to check it out. And I'm going to pass it back over to Logan. Yeah. I just, I always would be like the metaverse. I don't know why it just feels like it's a, it's a whole other level. Uh, thanks, Mary. <laughs> Uh, you can follow us on Instagram at Better Events Pod. You can send us an email at bettereventspod at gmail.com. We love the emails we've been getting. I also want to encourage you if you have a question and feel so inclined and want to record yourself as like a voice memo with a question, we can answer those here on the pod. So send them our way. And as always, we appreciate you for listening. And we're in our season two. I can't believe it, Mary. But uh, we'll be back in your ears again next Wednesday. Bye, folks. Thanks, everyone.